Welcome to the Grit.org podcast with Colby Harris and Brian Harbin. In these episodes, they speak to top achievers in athletics and business to understand the habits and mindset they apply in order to build more grit. Welcome back to the Grit.org podcast. My name is Colby Harris, and today we have a very, very exciting episode. I am in Orlando, Florida with legendary wakeboarder, I hate to say it, but social media influencer even, yeah, entrepreneur. Okay. This Ambassador. Guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe a better word. Put a little spin on it. Okay, okay. Uh, people don't love that word that much anymore. Um, but nonetheless, Steel Lafferty is taking a year to make this happen, so Steel Appreciate you making the time, man. Yeah, dude, of course. Your whole thing just flipped. You just went right into it. Like, your whole demeanor went into it. It is cool. That's cool to see. Uh, yeah, it's you, kind You're of, good at this. You know, it's funny. Well, I hear from people, they're like, hey, man, well, do the normal thing. I don't know if you saw the interview with Deion Sanders with the guy interviewing him. He's like, no, go back go back to your normal voice. He's like, he can't do it. Right, you know? right. So, for me, it's uh, it's been a, a choir thing. And, you know, no, like, good. that that's guy good. Sutton show, yeah. he's all, I don't know. I don't know if he's but like that's that how he's all, all the time. Would yeah, yeah. Sense. There's some people that just are just wild all the time. You're like, okay, I can spend an hour with you, Max. And then people that can turn it on. And I just saw you turn it on. I like that. Yeah. That's great, baby. Well, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's been a, a journey now. Like I said, it's like 33rd episode. But uh, we're super stoked to make this happen, dude. Like, I, I think I should go ahead and lay it out there about our history together a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. So back in the day, actually, Steele's mom, Mary Jean, and my mom were sorority sisters at KKG. Not only sorority sisters, but... My mom was a little sister to your mom. Your mom oh, really? was my mom's big sister. So they're even more connected. Uh, they got plans to hang out next weekend. Oh, really? kind of funny. That's uh, cool. Yeah, so I've, I've known of Steel for a long time, and obviously it's been super sick for me to follow your journey and everything. So I appreciate that. Go ahead and take us back to the game. I know you're, you're a Florida man, born and raised. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell us about your upbringing there in Fort Lauderdale and, and everything from, from your upbringing. Yeah, I, I don't know anything other than being a Florida man. I grew up here. My family's from here. Just like I, I'm third I think I'm third or fourth generation in Florida, which is crazy. You don't hear that much. Um, but yeah, grew up in Fort Lauderdale. Absolutely love it down there. Uh, that, that city is growing right now. Mm. It's, it's wild. But um, yeah, it's just the outdoor, good weather, always doing some activity mm. area. And that's how my family was. And that's how you know I grew up. Like we grew up, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have iPads. We didn't have really much on TV either. So like we were out in the streets, you know, playing like either street hockey or football or soccer in the street, right? And then cars would come by, you'd pull the equipment aside and then come back out. Like that was our fun growing up and like all the way even through high school, like basketball, everything. Like I don't think the iPhone came out until like, when did I? 07 maybe? Oh, maybe oh, a little, seven? Something like, like seven that. Or eight? Yeah, I was like so five I was years like, old, so. I was in, I was sophomore year of high school. Really? Yeah, so like, we didn't like know that stuff. So we were just always just like. Good old days. Making our own fun, right? Yeah. That's how it was. Um, so yeah. Yeah, and I love that too, because, um, you know, I was raised in Highlands, North Carolina, from yeah, about yeah. four to 10 years old. And I remember my brother Chase got the iPhone 4 or something when it came right, out. Right. But um, we had a GameCube. 
you know, mm-hmm. like back in the day. Like I feel like because Hi, GameCube, right? Like because I have older brothers. Um, one of them chased me in 26. Like I feel super lucky. Like I grew up watching Saved by the Bell, and like yeah. everybody hates Chris, and like these classic shows from late 90s, early 2000s that like even people that are maybe a year, two years younger than me have no idea what I'm talking about. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, so classic, classic shows for sure. And tell me a little bit about sports. Like you said, like you always were active. Uh, you just got here from a golf tournament today. I know you're an avid basketball player. Like yeah. what was it about sports that really just got you going? I don't know, man. I just, I just want to be active. Like I just want to be doing something. Like if I, if I go a day where I don't like, I'm not wakeboarding, I'm not golfing, I'm not playing a sport, like I'll go, I'll go like a little like crazy. Like I, I need to do something, and I don't love the gym as much, so I almost use my activity as how I want to work out, mm-hmm. right? Um, but then I also like most of my gym work was recovery, just because with wakeboarding they were so hard on the body, and it's just like you know just pounding pounding all over like my joints like everything just gets like absolutely just destroyed in wakeboarding so like my recovery is the gym work where i'm doing all the stretching the medicine ball work like all that kind of stuff so the gym's not as fun for me of like getting to like pump weights and like you know hitting personal best like i don't get to really use it as a sport like some people do Mm -hmm. so um i just try to fill it with like Pickleball, like if I'm trying to get like in shape, I'm playing a ton of pickleball every night, just mm-hmm. running like crazy. I'm like, I'm golfing every day, I'm playing pickup basketball with my friends, I, anything I can, anything I can do to get my heart rate up, I'm doing mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and that's even what I've tried to to pivot to more this year. It's like I got real into lifting weights around 2020. Right. And it was it was really fun. It's really cool. I still enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, like I love surfing way more. And, yeah. and it's hard to lift heavy weight and be a good surfer. Golf, you know, right. like, oh, my gosh. I used to be way more flexible yeah. uh, back in the day. It's uh, crazy how that works. A couple years ago. Yeah. Um, but tell so growing up in Fort Lauderdale, this is one thing I was wondering driving driving down to do the show today is you were in Fort Lauderdale. How did the wakeboarding start and then how did it kind of progress even though you were living in Fort Lauderdale? Yeah, because so wakeboarding is not prominent in Fort Lauderdale. I, if you're not from Florida, like there's not lakes all over Florida. Like Orlando where I live now, there's lakes all over Orlando. Um, a little north, there's a lot of lakes, but like South Florida, you don't have a crazy amount of lakes. You have like the canals you have like um ski beaches and stuff like that but we didn't we weren't in that scene much in fort lauderdale but my parents had a lake house in lake placid florida um and we would go up there actually when i was growing up we didn't own a house they bought a house years later um but yeah they we would go and just like have two weeks at a lake house mm. during the summer the best. and you know, those two weeks is like what we live for during the summer. And we just like spend so much time on the water. And then, you know, one time my dad brings a wakeboard home from, I think it was like Sports Authority. And it's an O'Brien wakeboard. It's, it's one, uh, 145, which is a massive wakeboard. Like I ride a 139 right now, right? Full so, grown. Full grown. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Full grown. But when I was nine, my dad had me on a 145. Mm. Just bought a board for the whole family. Um, and I think the salesman might have like sold my dad the board as a, like, hey, this is 
the size for you, right? And then he just let the whole family use it. But, um, but yeah, we learned wakeboarding when I was nine years old. So that was uh, 22 years ago, mm. right? So that was great, 2001. So wow. we learned it, yeah. So, so my mom was the first one to figure out how to get up and she rode it sideways the whole time. Boy, like butter slide. sliding. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. And just like, my mom was like, this sucks. She's lucky she didn't like, catch rail, bro. Terrible, if she right? would have called her front rail, oh, yeah, yeah. first She's time. an athlete too. So she like figured it out and I was just like riding it sideways and my dad was like, yeah, this is not fun. But then we got, my dad like found a DVD that came with the wakeboard. And we threw it in there and there was a bunch of pro riders on it. And we were like, whoa, they're riding it parallel, <laughs> which makes way more sense. And um, they're doing all these flips and stuff. Like, that's crazy. We didn't even think that was possible. So then I, like, I learned it with my brothers. And I don't really remember, like, learning how to wakeboard. I just, the big thing I remember was when I was 10 years old. You know, we're all trying to get good at wakeboarding. And, um, like, there's, like, some friends on the lake as well. And... It's like, I don't, I don't know if they were competitive with it, but I was because I'm like really competitive and I just like wanted to be really good at it and like be at the top level with the, with like the people we were riding with. I didn't want to be like way underneath anybody. But then I blew out my eardrum when I was 10. My older brother accidentally kicked me underwater in a pool and it popped my eardrum and I had mm-hmm. to get surgery because it was like, like exploded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, so I was out of the water for like a year. And um, all those people on the lake and my older brother got better than me at wakeboarding. And I hated that. And I like wanted to train to get better than them. And I remember not wanting to ride with them until I knew I could clear the wake. Hmm. And then I went out one time because I would like train with my dad. I'd be like, dad, let's go ride. Like. We're gonna on the down low. Yeah, Let's yeah, go I don't do it. Ride with anyone else until until we get out there, and then I remember one day I was like, "All right, I'm ready. Like, let's go ride with the other kids." And we went out, and I was way better than them. Like, I didn't know. I just like pushed myself to this limit. I wanted to be better, and then I realized how much better I was than them. And then I was like, that it kind of clicked there where I was like, "Oh, I like this. Mm-hmm. Like, this is fun. Like, I enjoy." I enjoyed the process of getting to where that was, which was like still super beginner level. I was 10 or 11 and just clearing the wake and then um, started progressing Mm -hmm. from there. And one of the guys that was on the lake, Weston Cotton, he actually went to Westminster, the school that I ended up going to for high school. He was a family friend and, and he was doing like all these like cool tricks on a wakeboard. And I like looked up to him. And he was like mentoring me a little bit. And he's like, you should start competing. He taught me some flips. We went to a tournament here in Orlando called the Gravel Tour. Just like probably 10 minutes down the road from where I live now. And met like a whole crew of people my age doing the same thing. Having a blast. I end up winning the tournament. And um, I was uh, hooked, hooked from there. And my parents loved it too because they got to meet a bunch of families and like you know, they gained a ton of friends from it as well. Mm-hmm. Like, of, of parents putting their kids through the same things that they were, mm-hmm. right? So it was really cool. 
Well, it's super fun too. I think like when, when I first started surfing, same thing when it's like when you're enjoying it already, but then yeah. you see someone doing it at a higher level and you're like, that's got to be more fun than just clearing the wake. You know, like being able to do an air, like air reverse or like in wakeboarding oh, 360, dude. you right. know, like it's, that's one thing I've always said about board sports is they're so progressive and like people way underappreciate the long-term time, effort, oh, skill crazy. developed, like you know, you're at the top of your game, right? I mean, 22 years, give or take, if like whenever, yeah, right, right, quote unquote, prime, right? right? Um, but same thing with surfing. Like, I know dudes that surf for a decade, and and like they never, never put the board in the air. I, yeah. And I know dudes that surf for two, three years, and they're hitting air reverses effortlessly. Right. Um, but it t- is wild. Talking about family, one thing I want to ask you about is, you know, I know too. You know, your, your dad ran a company when you were growing up, mm-hmm. and, and very entrepreneurial. What was it like for you or like what philosophies did they really push to you at a young age that you think made you who you are now? Mm, that's a good question. I think um, we'll be getting deep today. There's a lot no, that's good. Little philosophy, a lot, lot of just uh, big life talk, you know. Like, no, li- life, I mean, if you ain't talking about life, what you talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, it's got to be big time. Yes, that's good. No, the good, the, the deep questions are the right questions. Um, man, they were, they were the, the reason I wa- I am where I am today. If I don't have, if my dad and my mom didn't work towards giving us the best life they could and being able to provide, you know, wakeboarding takes some capital to get into. You need a boat, you need to travel, you need to go to a tournament. So like they helped me get to that point, but they also made sure that I was putting in the work. Because if, I'm not putting in the work, then they're not going to support it, right? They wanted to see that drive in me as well. Um, but they never really, like, were strong, like, you have to be wake, you have to be doing this. Tiger they, parent. Yeah, they were, yeah. they were very, like, okay, we're just noticing. Are you doing it or not? And then sometimes when I'm off, my dad's like, what are you doing? Do you not, do you not want to do it? Do you want to do it? And that's when I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of slacking a little bit. Even at a young age of, like, 12, 13, mm-hmm. right? And him letting me know, like, hey, we're investing in you if you want to do this. And then at a certain age, you're like, if you want to do this, it's on you now. Like, you know, like, they would, they would support, they supported me all through high school to do it. And then when I went to college, they said, we'll, we'll pay for your rent, your gas, your food, and your school if you stay in school, like in, in college. And my second year in college, I was making enough where I was like, and missing out on things, and I couldn't ride enough where I was like, you know what? It's not worth it for me to stay in school. Like, I can, su- I can easily support myself and more. <laughs> I'm a dropout, too. Yeah, so I dropped out. Yeah. And then it was all on me from there, yeah. right? Um, and, the, and that's where they were good at. They did, they're not um, going to just hand me everything and say, you know, that's not how my dad or my mom was raised. You had to earn your keep. Earn it. Earn it all. Um, but luckily enough, you know, I was in a situation where they were able to put me in a situation to succeed mm-hmm. as well. You know, not everybody gets that. And that's one thing I always harp on. <clears throat> like in Jacksonville, you know, there's a lot of big private schools and stuff. And I know plenty of people that, you know, no one's really hurting for money, right? But right. I also, with our camp, we run a sponsorship program. So like kids that can't afford camp can come to camp. So right. I see both sides. And I always say to kids, I'm like, the opportunity you have to have parents that support you not only like emotionally, but 
when they can support you financially, it's like it's literally the opportunity of a lifetime. Oh, it's incredible to yeah. to have that. And I like I love that philosophy too from your parents of of like having to earn it. You know, because yeah, some yeah. people just get in there and they're like, ah, yeah, you know, try this, try that, try all this stuff. Like, how much do you need? It's like right. no. If you want it, you decide, Work earn your it. keep, right? And like, we're gonna keep up with you throughout the yeah. process. Yeah, and and they they were like that with all of us, right? Whatever any, because like, I have two brothers. Mm-hmm. Whatever any of us wanted to do, you know, they would gauge our interests and in, in our determination, and they were really good at it. And they were like, if you really want to do it, we will support you through it to a point. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And then you got to make sure you can make it on your own. And on that note of your brothers, so I have two brothers too. Where do you fall in the mix? Are you I'm middle? Middle? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I'm the I'm the youngest, which is oh, funny because uh, you know growing up, it took a lot of beatings, and it was funny. Everyone always said in the family, they're like, "You better hope Colby doesn't grow up to be the biggest." And uh, sure enough, you know things worked out in yeah, my yeah. favor. <laughs> um, but what about that competition aspect? Like I'm sure, uh, knowing how it goes, like it didn't matter if it was Wii sports, pickleball, wakeboarding. Everything's a competition. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure that sprouted that that like mamba mentality for you. Yeah, I but, think that that came from my grandpa and my dad. And uh, my grandpa was great at everything. And he, I don't think he lost in anything to anyone ever. Like, I, I, that's strict his, winner. Yeah, strict like, winner. Pure thoroughbred winner. Right, never lost. Um, I mean, I hit a I hit a hole in one one time, and I called him, and I was like, "Hey, I hit a hole in one." He's like, "That's awesome." He goes, "I have four. I'm like, "Cool." Wasn't a contest, Grandpa. Yeah, right. <laughs> but he like, but like at the same time, like, I love that story because it's like, I have that in me as well. That's who raised me. That's that's yeah. in my DNA yeah. to be that way. And my dad is very similar with competition. Like, any any time the whole family's together. Somehow he's put a contest together for us, you know, and my wife now is very the opposite of it, which I think balances me out. She's like, not like, I don't want to compete with you against anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, who can do the dishes faster? Start now. Go. I'm timing you. Right. And she's like, no, I'm not. I'm having zero fun. And uh, we'll go play pickleball with her. And she's like, you know, she just wants to hit it. She wants to have fun. I'm like, okay, just to hit it back and forth. And she can tell, like, I'm getting antsy because I want to, like, smash it. Compete with Pick her. Up the pace. Or, like, help her, like, get better so we can compete against other yeah. people. She's like, nah. <laughs> so it's like, I think who I married was someone to bounce me out perfectly. Um, but my family is very competitive and, you know, in a, in a loving way. But at the same time, like, I remember at the family, like, we'd have these, like, egg Olympics which is during Easter, my dad would put all these minute-to-win-it games together, right? And we'd have this whole thing, and, like, it's so... And maybe it's only in my mind, but it is so competitive. I'm not trying to lose. Like, I'm, like, doing everything I can to win it. And I'm, like, five-time reigning champ right now. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm, like, not... I'm not giving it up. Yeah. And, um... But I, I think, you know, being raised in a household like that, you either know that you're competitive or you don't. Yeah. And then if you are, it just helps you just like continue to like have that drive to want to win. And that's what, that's what I learned. About. Yeah. Well, it's funny with me because we have a little sister who's, gotcha. uh, she's like three years younger than me. And what's funny about that is it's like. I thought you said you're the youngest. 
Youngest boy. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah my bad. Um, but with her, you know, it's kind of like that X factor, you know, like you said, like someone that's not like into play and do whatever, but it like gets way too intense way fast. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but so, intense is like, I thrive in intense. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's not intense, if we're not betting, if, we're not, if something's like not on the table, I'm checked out. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Yeah. Like, even, are we just, you're just trying to put the ball in the hoop? Mm-hmm. What? Why? It's like, like golf. Where's, where's the fun? Yeah, I can't play golf without a bet. Always. Uh, yeah. Like it's, me and my roommate, we don't, we don't really put money down, but we do house chores. Like oh, no one wants to meal incredible. prep. No one wants to cook the beef or chicken. No one wants to do the dishes. So now, and like that's serious. Like when we meal prep, I mean, do we, you know, t- tons of food. We try right. to cook once a week. You spend an hour and a half in the kitchen. Jeez. We do not want to do that. So our bet's super serious, always. Gotcha, um, gotcha. All right, but let's, so let's think. So, you know, you grew up, you get into wakeboarding, living in Fort Lauderdale, you're naturally competitive in this environment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where would you say this wakeboarding thing started to ramp up where you were really like, wait, I'm winning contests, I'm traveling yeah. for it, like we're, we're investing in this and, and it actually became possible where you realized like, you know, I could be the best at this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a funny question because... Oh, it's a good question. It's a funny answer because I never was like, I want, I want to be professional or I was never like, I want to be the best. It was, this is my path. That was it. I, na- like, I was almost like a naive uh, feeling of just like, I have no other path. This is me. This is who I am. Right. And I, I, I never had that like, oh, I really want this. I just knew I'd do anything it took to get there. Mm-hmm. So it was never a want. It was just a, like a, a win for me. Right, just to um, be wakeboarding. Yeah, at a young age too, I was just like naively knew that I would do whatever I could to get there, I guess. I, I don't know. It was a mentality that I don't know how to explain where um, – it's just like, I, this is my path. Like, I'll do anything it takes to get here, but I knew I'd get here yeah. type of thing. Um, and I think that helps when you're a kid, too. Like, seeing it and just being like, okay, like, I'm going to do everything it takes to be that good. Okay, done. That's it. Right? That was, that's, how I, that's how I looked at it. And so I think when it was, I was like 13 or 14, I dropped every other sport in in like high school and everything I was playing that I loved to play. Like I really loved playing all sports, like I've told you. But I was like, this is my path. This is what I have to do. Cut. Yeah. And I'm wakeboarding. And from there, it really did turn into kind of a job, a job that I loved. I was getting paid at that point. I was sponsored by, like, I think... I was uh, a teenager. I was sponsored at... 13 really by nike by liquid force by tommy's i had like four sponsors hmm. i was making decent like decent money for a 14 year old yeah or 13 13 14 year old i was crushing it that's a different age too like before social media those sponsorships and stuff like totally different ordeal than it uh, is now you know like anyone can go get a sponsorship with a following back then it was truly like you were someone doing something in the sport. And they had to have eyes on the sport. Like, all action sports is so different now because back in the day, like, 
all these companies who are a piece of action sports and the only way to get into it was to have like someone get eyes in, figure out who is the guy, you know, hire people yeah. in the sports Whole sector of the business has to be dedicated. Right. And then, and then grab people out of it or, you know, sponsor people. And, and I mean, there was such a culture. It was so cool. Um, and we, and we've lost a little bit of that today because, you know, social media, but you know, social media brings good things and it brings bad things. But, um, but what were we talking about? <laughs> Sponsorships, dude. The fact that you, you were already so like sponsored and that I, at that point yeah. it did become a job. Like you were representing other people. It was yeah. no longer like, I guess so say, I mean, you were doing something outside of like, oh, I just love this. You know, like now you represented company. Totally. But I still, I still, and I still do to this day and like know how cool it is like it's it's amazing that I get to represent some of the coolest companies in the world and get paid to do it. It's like it's the most rad thing ever. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I have put in the work to gain the credibility to get to where I am to do it. But at the same time, it's like, man, like this, I what an awesome fun path. Like I'm so lucky. Um, it's a special thing. Like yeah, to, it is. I think too, um, a, you took a big leap of faith with that also at that age. Cause that's really what I did too. Like with surfing and you catch, like, I don't know if this happened to you. Cause I would assume like you're probably like pro, very proficient in those other sports. Like you were playing with teams, you had coaches, people that were yeah. like, steel, you're getting ready for next year. Right. Like, I can't tell you how many times like coaches and stuff called me out for, for giving up sports to surf. Same. You know, they're like, oh, Colby, Colby's a pussy, Colby's this, Colby's yeah. that. Um, I'll probably bleep that on the show. But uh, all these things, you know, about like like I'm doing the wrong thing. And it kind of like, for it didn't really wear on me, but it was just like, like I got made fun of so much for picking up surfing compared yeah, yeah. to like doing other sports. Um, that's, that's, that's funny because I had the same thing, but you were I don't so, think, you, but I don't think I was, I was made fun of. It was more like people understood my path, but I had coaches that, like, uh, my, like, I played one year of high school football in my, like, sophomore or junior year, because I just want, I, I just was like, you know, I was competing at an incredibly high level in wakeboarding, and I was just like, I, I want to compete in football, like, I, I want to know what could have been, mm-hmm. type of thing, because I was fast, I ran a 4-3. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that yeah, is yeah. like I was that's like insane, insane fast. I think the record's like four two now, which yeah. is I, it, NFL well, record. Yeah, NFL record. Yeah, I was like a four three eight. It's so insane. like I was like really quick. I was and I just wanted to know like what I could do. And my high school coach, I played well. It, they started off good, and then a bunch of people got hurt in in our high school football team. And uh, I just remember, like, my coach kind of being like, hey, what are you doing? Like, do you want, do you want to play? Jump like, in. we could use your speed. And I was like, yeah, I want to play. And I told my parents. And, and obviously, my parents are like, not a good idea. Like, if you get really hurt, like, your wakeboarding career is over. But as a kid, I was just like, I, I want to play. Like, I, I've never been able to play at a high level in any other, like, team sport. So I told my coach I'm in. And um, 
the first game he made me play punt return, kick return, running back, safety, wide receiver. Like I was just like filling in spots. Yeah. And Typical I, high school football when you're a decent athlete, like yeah, everything all across the board. Yeah, and I and I ran a few punts back. I ran a few kickoff returns back. I had some decent runs. Some um, dude, that's sick. I didn't know you played football too. That was kind of out of left field right there. I heard you talking about other sports on some other shows, but yeah. it was like I didn't know you actually gave the football thing a try. I was too. good. I was good. My vision was pretty terrible because I wasn't used to it. But, you know, I could, like, outrun anyone. Like, I, I'd see someone on the corner. I could just run around them. And I, and I, had, a, I had a really high standing leap, too. forget the exact number, but I think my standing leap was, like, 36 inches. I was going to say, anything 30-plus is... 36? Super solid. Can you right. touch rim? Yeah. Now? yeah still? Yeah, yeah. Still. Wow. That's, still. that's, that's kind of disappointing. I, I, I'm, I'm not super tall. You know, I, well, I barely get in. I mean, I probably got, like four inches on you i can barely touch it right now yeah yeah i'm like five seven good day five eight um but i've dunked a few times off rebounds like when we're playing pickup little put back yeah just like a little put back yeah. right and um so yeah i i i, I have I'm genetically gifted in that way but i also think wakeboarding helped in that way too because it's such an explosive like sport mm-hmm. we get to like Everything is within a second of hitting that weight and getting, you know, kicked up. And I also was also really known for going really big on a wakeboard, too. Mm-hmm. So I just, like, I, I don't know. I had something in my legs. Still do. Got the bounce. Right. Got the bounce. Yeah. Um, and, but, yeah, so I, I, I did that, and my coach told me when I was like, hey, I'm not going to play anymore. He was like, if you decide to leave football you're making a mistake i'm like and he's like i could probably get you into a college if you decide to pursue this in your senior year he goes i'll get you a full ride somewhere Hmm. and i think he just knew that because of my speed too um but i uh i was like nope like i know my path was that mid-season too like no 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 it was at the end of the season and uh, we we were, our team was terrible. <laughs> uh, I, I, me, I had to play four, posi- four or five positions, and I've never played football competitively mm-hmm. and a team ever, and they made me play five positions. So we weren't a great team. But, um, I mean, our starting running back went down. Our starting QB went down. So it was at the end of the season. I just like, hey, I'm out. And, um, and I just told my coach, like, this ain't my path. Like, yeah. My path is... And I know it. And it's which way I'm going. So, and you had mentioned, you know, worrying about getting injured. And that's kind of like what I wanted to allude to. And while the camera was off, we kind of talked a little bit about it. But, you know, you had a a very serious injury at about 15 with your back. And um, I'll let you tell the story real briefly in a minute. You've you've told it a few times, so I don't want to get super deep into it. My, My bigger question is like, going through that process at that age of like you you love sports you love moving you love doing these things and it was pretty much all taken away from you at that time so like mentally overcoming that and going through that like how did you navigate it and and really how did you end up coming back I'm you know stronger obviously for the Mm. sport so when I was 14 I was filming this show called um uh what was it called fuel tv no no yeah fuel tv but new pollution Mm called New Pollution. And what 
basically it is, is each episode has three kids that are coming up in their sport. And I think my three kids were me and mine. And you're not hanging out with other kids. They just go film them and you get like splice it 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 15 minutes, 45 minutes show or whatever. And I, um, I was wakeboarding. Coco Ho was like surfing and That's Sage Kostenberg was snowboarding. And now I know all of them mm-hmm. just through like, you know, the industries and, and which actually kind of turned out pretty cool. But, um, yeah, so new pollution I was filming and, um, I was riding really good. Like I was like kind of feeling the best I've ever felt on a wakeboard. Just flow state. I just, I, anything I tried, I was landing it. I was like, I'm going to be the best in no time. And then I was, uh, I learned this whirly five, which was a big trick for a 14 year old. And especially back then. And I, um, was like, I'm definitely getting this on film for fuel TV. Like now I'm going to make it right here. Mm-hmm. I landed one or two, but then we went, came up here to Orlando, went to my coaches and, um, I did a whirly five landed it and it's a trick where you have to land with the handle behind your back so you come up you go like you basically throw the rope over your head and you're like sideways to the boat do a 360 and then you add a 180 and you land rope behind your back cutting out on your toes and uh left foot forward instead of right foot forward because mm-hmm. normally i ride right foot forward but i'm you land this trick Goofy. left foot forward trip. yeah so i'm riding like this and I'm trying to make it look cool for the cameras and not pass the handle really quick. So I'm like here riding, feeling I'm looking cool. But we're at the end of the lake and the boat has to start turning. So the boat starts having to turn left and it cuts me out on this edge, right? And I'm like on this edge. I'm like, uh-oh. And I like, if I go here to grab the handle, it opens my chest up a little bit because I'm like kind of cutting out with the boat. It's like, the rope look, uh, works like a pendulum, mm-hmm. right? And it's like swinging me out. And I'm on an edge and the fins on the board are like tracking. And I'm like stuck here and I know I'm in trouble. So if I go left to open up, I take an edge like this. If I try to TikTok out of it and not TikTok the, the, the social media app, TikTok like, like, like this with term. your body, yeah, yeah. Like this with your body and your board, I could get out of it. So I try to TikTok out of it, but my fins catch, and I just back it, just completely black out. Like I got knocked out, mm-hmm. like fully knocked out. But it was like a quick knockout. Like it was like out for five seconds, come to, and just like get to the surface, and I can barely move. Like I'm like. Every muscle in my body is so tight that I thought I paralyzed myself. Mm. It was crazy. Like I could move right after the trick pretty much, but then I get to the dock and everything locks up like crazy. Like I'm laying on the dock, like every, every muscle is so tight. It's like, ugh, I could barely breathe. And um, what I realized then is I had a traumatic injury. My L5, I fractured. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, when you have such a big crash like that, your body just kind of like seizes cramps up, up and seizes to protect that area. Mm-hmm. So I went to a doctor here 
and the um, like a ER, and he was like, "You're 14. You didn't get hurt. It's water. You're fine." I'm like, "Okay," but like I'm like in a lot of pain, <laughs> and he's like, "Don't worry about it." He's kind of like rude, like just like kind of like sure about that, Doc? Are you sure? About I'm like that? I'm in a lot of pain. Like I can't even like stand up. Anyways. The doc says that so everyone believes it. And now I'm like not able to like even like bend over correctly without like being in the craziest amount of pain. But I have to like push through this because the doctor said I'm fine. So I went out and rode with a professional wakeboarder the next day. Like uh, Rusty Malinowski. We were filming and I'm like, I gotta ride with Rusty. Like, you know, I looked up to these guys. And um, so I went out and I couldn't land anything because I was just in the most insane pain ever I'm riding with a fractured back hmm. and like trying to push through it but just like dude I couldn't do anything it was the it was insane so then I try to like ride through this for months and I'm like in class in high school like if I like bend over to grab something out of my bag wrong I'm like <gasps> like I can't breathe in tears like crazy and then like if i sneeze or cough or like whatever like i'm just like in the most insane pain like someone's stabbing you in the back and um but the one doctor said i was good so you know everyone thinks i'm good and i'm i think i should be good but i can't do it and then i don't really want to wakeboard anymore and i'm not pushing it and my parents are like that when what we talked about earlier like hey are you still into this are you dedicated like what's going on do you not want to ride i'm like i don't want to tell them i'm injured like i'm really hurting because that's not cool when you're a kid like you want to be not hurt and then finally i'm like i'm really hurt like i'm like i sneezing and i'll start crying like it's that bad i'm 14 so finally i tell them and they're like okay, let's go get you an MRI. Like that's like, let's go to the doctor here. So we went to the doctor in Fort Lauderdale, who was the doctor for the dolphins at the time, um, Dr. Caldwell. And um, he takes an MRI and he was like, yep, your L5 is uh, <laughs> super fractured. I like it's shaped like a wing nut. And uh, the right wing, you know, is like, he's like very close to being cracked off. And I think what he told me, if I'm, recollecting this correctly is um he's like i would give you two more weeks if you take a really bad back edge again like that with this injury and you crack that and damage the spinal cord he goes you're paralyzed from the waist down and so they threw me in a back brace real quick took me i think it was seven to eight months in a back brace and then Four, four or five months physical therapy until I could ride again. It was almost a year off the water. Mm. And, um, and yeah, I think my mental more was not like, oh, when am I going to get back on a wakeboard? How am I going to get back on a wakeboard? It was more, I was, it was a relief. Just like, to, like not to, having to wakeboard mm. in the pain because I hated it. I was just trying to push through. I was like, thank God. But then, I, you know, you, as a kid and as a competitor, you get antsy. And then, you know, at a time, you know, you, like, can't wait to get back on your board. But then when I got back on my board, I had hip issues. 
because I was in a back brace for so long that like my hips got weak. So then I just dealt with injuries for kind of the rest of my career and like trying to open up my hips and like work through it. You know, my lower back actually was really strong because the calcium, you know, it almost like what they say uh, with bones, if you heal it really well, the calcium will almost like cover it um, extra, right? Mm -hmm. So like my L5 was like really strong. And I think it still is really strong because the calcium on the bones like covered it even more than normal. Um, But like all the muscles, all the tendons, all the ligaments in my hips, in my lower back, like my sciatic and my psoas muscle were just Mm -hmm. like insane. So I like, I've dealt with that my whole career. I still deal with it. Um, But yeah, I think the mentality more is like, can't wait to get back on my board. But I get back on my board and it's still kind of a mess with my hips. Mm -hmm. And um, just had to battle through it. Well, I didn't know you actually rode on it for a while. I thought that you just kind of went through that and and it was like a quick thing. Like, you know, you shattered your back. You were knocked out. That's kind of like a given of, oh, I think something's wrong. Like, I feel paralyzed in the moment. Um, Because it's just insane that, like, I mean, the first doctor, dude, that, that passes my mind all the time about, like, it's crazy how you could go to one doctor who's taken the same test, the same exams, had the yeah. same conversations and they, no MRI, no no X-ray, nothing. He just kind of he was it. he was the worst. Like I don't know, I don't remember his name. I don't, but it was full malpractice. You, he's lucky you don't remember his name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exposed. I would, I would make sure he, I would, yeah, whatever. But he basically just pushes out the door, bro. Like it's like get a second opinion. If like sure. if you're gonna learn anything on this podcast, no matter what it is, get a second opinion. Yeah. Otherwise. You'll be paralyzed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, you end up, I mean, when you come back, you know, I guess at that point you had so much momentum. I'm sure the injury was kind of like within the industry, everyone was just like, oh, like, you know, we're hoping that we're wishing the best for Steel. Like no, nothing was pressing about, um, maybe there were some questions about where your career would go, but I'm sure everyone was more just like, all right, we can't wait to see Steel back in the water. Um, Yeah. I also was very young. Yeah. So like. I don't even remember what, like, I don't, wouldn't even think people would be thinking anything other than, oh, one of the guys got hurt. I, I don't know. But that, that's interesting. I never thought about it that way. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, just thinking out loud, because that's even like, you know, with college athletes these days, if you're a top 10 draft pick and then you mm-hmm. get a torn ACL, it's like all market value. It's a, it's a business. How bad unquote. do you feel for those people, though? When you, when you see a college guy go down... You're just like, uh, especially before NIL. Before NIL, you, I would like, uh, I would want to puke for that person. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, I would get sick to my stomach seeing a top, top fifty person go down with an ACL or something. I'm just like, bro. Yeah, there's Ugh. so much good talent that gets lost in the mix through through all sports, so like sad. in that aspect. So um, sad. Injuries are the worst. Well, and I mean, I know you said you've, you kind of had some other injuries, and, and I'm sure like we might come up later on, but you know, you come back, and I'm sure you're fired up. Like, I'm sure it was a slow, kind of slow burn to get back into things. You had these hip problems and stuff, yeah, yeah. but I mean, you were, you know, arguably like you know, you were claiming your spot in the industry at that time. Like, totally. you were you were starting to take over, and um, I think I had heard you signed your first boat deal around like 16 with yeah. Mastercraft. Yeah, right? yeah, still with them. Nice, yes. Still strong, baby. So, 15 years. Th- like, we talked a little bit about the brand deals and things like that, but 
talk about that point in your career. So like you've signed the boat deal. I'm assuming, are you kind of like on like the pro tour at this so, point? Or? So 14 to 18 is where you're supposed to compete in junior pro men. And you're on tour still with the pros and with the women. So like the pro women, pro men, and junior pro men. Like mm. that's the tour, right? And the junior pro men was basically doing the same exact tricks as the pro men. You're just almost gaining your credibility mm. at that time, back in the day. And um, the goal was to win junior pro men before you go pro. And I actually never won junior pro men. Mm. I think I got second one year, third one year. I don't know what I don't know what happened, but um, but yeah, never won junior pro men. And um, but that was like what you that that's how you would do it. So I went pro when I was seventeen, and when I was fourteen, I was competing in junior pro men. And when you're like the big big sponsors don't really start paying you crazy money until you. GoPro, um, but back in junior pro men, they started seeing like how good we were, and they started really going after the junior pro men. Want to get in early? Yeah, so I was in a really good spot back in the day. Like you know, you would never get that nowadays. It's crazy. Like even some of these pro guys that are incredible are aren't getting the deals that they deserve. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a different, different, you know. Space, space back then. Um, but, but yeah, I um, fourteen, get back on my board when I'm fifteen, and um, sixteen, I land the first ever wake twake ten eighty mm-hmm. before I'm pro. And this is a trick that everyone's been like thinking: Is it possible to go wake twake ten eighty? Is it not possible? Like, it could definitely be done. Who's going to do it first? And they have their, like, bets on Danny Harf. They have their bets on, like, Aaron Rathy. Like, all these, like, already pro guys. And I decided I'm going to be the first to do this. 16-year-old steal coming through. Yeah, so, and I was really bad at landing blind. Like, toe side blind where you land left hand behind your back, right foot forward right foot forward like my normal foot riding towards the boat and i don't know why i wasn't great at that i just never really worked on it much um but that's how you have to land a 1080 Mm. but i was like i have the i can spin the quickest nine toe side nine i have the right axis like i go off this like little bit of axis we're not really off axis but i'm like just barely off axis so i spin faster and it's way more control. So I know that I have the Tosai 900 to do a 1080. I just got to get lucky one time and land it 1080. Wow, mm-hmm. so I can get around every time. So for about a couple couple days, yeah, it's a couple days, I start trying this 1080. I'm so close. And back then, the wakes weren't insanely big. Not like same 2000. Tech. This is 2008, I think. Mm-hmm. 2008. <clears throat> um, I'm in high school still. I'm a sophomore. Or a junior or something. And um, I was like, I, I piled all my friends from high school into the boat to like get the wake big. big. Took like 45 seconds to get on a plane because we didn't have like the crazy engines back then. Like it, 
the wakes just weren't that big back then mm. compared to now. Like now the wakes are th almost three times the size. So like back then we were like, I don't know. Could you do a 1080 off this wake? Who knows? Um, and yeah, I made sure that I made it happen and I made, I landed it. And, um, right then everything changed my mind. Landing that trick was the most awe moment I've ever had in my life of like, I just did something no one else in the world has ever done. Like, that's a crazy feeling. Like, there's 9 billion people in this world. And I'm the only person that was able to hit a wake, spin a 1080, with a handle and a wakeboard and come down and land on the other side and ride away from it. It was wild. It was like hard to process in my, in my mind, but it was like this awe-inspiring moment. All my friends jumping out of the boat. The boat driver that was driving the boat jumped out of the boat, <laughs> right? It was just insane. One of the passengers in the boat had to like go take the wheel. <laughs> like it was like one of those like just like incredible moments. And that changed my path in wakeboarding to go from I want to be the best wakeboarder in the world to I want to do what has never been done. Innovate. Yeah, I want to innovate, dude. So um, that pushed me hard because that feeling of I've won contests before and it was like, oh, this, this is great. That feeling was never be able to explain it completely to anybody unless you've done it and um so then i went that path and then i did i think i've done six six tricks that i've never been done before mm. wake to wake 1080 uh toe side backs on 900 900 so i won trick of the year with toe side backs on 900 i won tr and then i won trick of the year with double mute mode or double any tangent line i don't know which one they gave it to me for but i did both of them in the same year so, but they just gave it to me. I think it was the double mute mode. Um, and then I was the first one to do a, a backside 1080 and the first one to do, this is a weird one, but I, but it's, I still count as the first to ever do it, is a double half cab roll, mute roll off the double up, but way into the flats. Because mm. I don't think anyone, no one's ever done that since. Because it's a psycho trick. <laughs> Like it's like flats is you got to cut too. in hard switch into a double up, which is sending you 20 feet up mm -hmm. and just huck a double flip into the flats. Like it's a scary trick. So I don't know how many I named by that six or something. And um, those moments are the moments I, I'll never forget. Winning a contest, I've forgotten a lot of those moments, but landing a trick that's never been done before, the um, grit that it took the grit that it took to get there right that is what drove me in my career is like man like the determination to land a trick that no one's ever done stamp my name in wakeboarding history forever that's what i want hmm. and that's what pushed me yeah that's what's so cool about that too you talking about that now is when i was just at that event last week the running man yeah they had a guy there he's the the best ultra marathon runner in the world he ran 450 miles this week 450 miles in a week 
in, in, in less than a week, in like four days. I think it was 108 hours. So he was, he was the best runner in the whole world. And the guy on stage that was introducing him, he was talking about, he's like, I don't think you guys realize, like, to be in the presence of someone that's either done something for the first time in the world or is the best in the world, it's like the best in the world. Uh, that is so crazy to think about. Or like first trick in the world. Um, it's, we had that world champion power bar on the show and he said the same thing. He's like, it's just that high for like hours and days and like such a, a big moment to, to like mm-hmm. lead that out. Um, but I do want to bring it back too to that. Like this is, so you, you did that trick that was 16. The first time you did a 1080. Yeah. yeah first trick in the world. So clearly, right, like, it's funny because we're like, normally this is where it would be like, all right, things are getting exciting, like Steel's taking off. You're taking over, right? The whole wakeboarding space, it's about time for you to go pro. You go pro at 17, college. Mm-hmm. You mentioned yeah, you went yeah. to college for a little bit. I'm just interested real quick. Like, I know you ended up leaving, but why did you go in the first place? Like, what do you think drew you into going to school? And did you go to, like, UCF or, or where were you at when you went to school? I got into UCF. Um, but I ended up going to Valencia College, which is the, it's a, um, it's like the sister Canada. college. It's like a, it's like a, it was a community college hmm. when I went. The second year, it was a state college that like got like the promotion or whatever. I don't know. Um, but I, when I went and, and I talked to UCF, I was like, hey, my schedule's crazy. Like, I, I, I'm going to miss classes. I'm going to, I have a career. Mm-hmm. And they, they weren't very willing to work with me. I think now they would be because they see how the world's changed. But back then, it wasn't really like ah, a wakeboarder. Who is this guy? Right? What special treatment? And then, I, and then I talked to Valencia, and they were way more open to the fact because the, the classes were smaller. And I was able to talk to my professors and say, hey, I'm like, it was like a high school. It was like going back to high school where there's 30 kids in a room. And I'm able to like talk to my professor and say, hey, I'm not able to come to class for the next week. I'll be in Thailand competing for the world championships or whatever it is. And they're like, that's awesome. Like, let us know how it is and we'll yeah. make it up when you get home. And um, so that's why I went to Valencia. And um, I did two years. The first year I went to school, I went to class. And um, it just took up so much time. And I wasn't being able to ride. I was missing some events, some photo shoots. And I just wasn't able to give everything into wakeboarding. The second year, I was doing it because my parents were still providing for me. And I didn't want to disappoint mm. like the family. Um, and I don't think they were disappointed in any way of me like not going to school. I think it was instilled in them and in everyone at that time that if you don't go to college, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. and um i made like a huge decision to not go to college at that time because like that's unheard of at that moment of like someone's dropping out of college and they're gonna do a sport all right good luck type of thing mm-hmm. and my parents had trust in me i told my parents they're like okay it's on you now every expense anything you do it's on you mm-hmm. right I still have my dad's uh, Goldmayer Express, and I charge it every once in a while, <laughs> <laughs> like for some gas. Like when I was like, I don't want to pay for it. He'll never notice. <laughs> you know what's crazy though is he never would charge me that month, but at the end of the year, he'd be like, "Hey, you owe me 
like eleven thousand dollars. No way. That's hilarious. And I just write him a check and be like, "Here you go." Yeah. Like I, I definitely spent it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's like, funny. He would come back around. It, uh, no, no, he got his money back. Yeah. Like, he like he wasn't on it every month, but yeah. then he'd be like, uh, "That was on Steele's card." Uh, <laughs> You're writing me a yeah. check. When they get those uh, those tabs in the mail every month, he was just stockpiling them all the time, yeah. highlighting it, uh, uh, steal yeah, yeah. credit card right Totally, here. totally. And I knew, I def, I probably thought I was getting away with it, you know, and then like, at the end of the year, he'd like, you know, make me write him a check. But I never was like, I was never arguing him. Mm-hmm. It was like, I spent it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, I'll pay you. Like, I was being like, whatever. Um, but anyways, I, I dropped out of college and I provided for myself, paid for myself, everything, uh, travel. Luckily at the time I had sponsors paying for all my travel. Um, I, I was with Red Bull at the time and Red Bull paid for any travel I did anywhere. All the hotels, all the planes, anything I wanted to do, they paid for mm. all travel, which is crazy. It was like sixteen thousand to twenty thousand a year, and at that time, that's a crazy amount of money mm-hmm. in twenty twelve, right? That's a that's a wild amount of money to be traveling with, um, <clears throat> and they paid for everything. So like that was awesome. I I got to do a lot of cool um, events and projects with Red Bull. They were great to me. That was like their creative heyday too. Man, it was so they, amazing. They were to be with like, them. I love Red Bull. Don't get me wrong, but they were such a sick company in oh, that era. Yeah, like, and I, I still think they are. I really do. I think they are maybe like ten percent less cool because I'm not on the brand anymore. Yeah, they but, lost some value right there, <laughs> some face value. No, but they were, they were great, man. Every sponsor that I've been with have, have has been able to like, that's my college, is the is the travel I got to do around the world. I got to learn the world. Right, I gotta learn contracts. I gotta learn business through all the deals that I was doing. And luckily, my dad is a businessman. My grandpa is a businessman. Like they instilled that in their generation of kids, and um, my dad instilled it in me. And he taught me how to do all my own deals. So I've never really had a full agent. I was gonna ask you about that or anything because my dad taught me all of that. Yeah, need one. And I learned that relationships are way more valuable than um, having an agent to, to find you anything. Like, I think agents are incredibly valuable. And I would still sign with an agent um, if they were able to, you know, they wanted to bring something crazy to the table or whatever it is. But um, I, I, I think it was more about me enjoying it. Like, I enjoyed the business side of mm-hmm. it, like, of gaining a relationship with a sponsor having like a bond with a sponsor rather than just having a business deal with a sponsor and, um, and, and growing a, a relationship. And I think it gains you trust. It gains you, um, um, more, even like, I think they are willing to pay you more cause they trust you more to do stuff for them. So there's so much to gain on top of that rather than having someone that's, you know, speaking on your behalf mm. where they don't feel like, Hey, where's this connection? Like if times get tough, straight right? to the source, if times get tough in the industry, right? It's easier to cut someone with an agent than cut someone that you have a relationship with. Mm. So there's, there's a lot of that. Yeah. Um, but I'm not trying to get into agents. Right? I, I love agents. I have a lot of agent friends that I really love 
and they do insane work that I'm not able to do for myself for their partner, mm. for their like athletes and, and um, whoever they're endorsing at the time. I think they're, they're, they crush it. Um, but yeah, I just thought that was my college was I learned the world through um, traveling it and doing sponsorship deals and being able to work with some of the most incredible companies in the world. Like I got to work with Red Bull for nine years. I got to work with Nike for nine years. Mm. I got to work with small companies for a long time to see how they were building, right? I got to get all this insight and knowledge to um, learn, mm. man. And it was so cool. And I, then they're sending me contracts and I'm, my dad's making me read all of them. He's like, read them or pay a lawyer to read them if you have the money to pay a lawyer and then still read them. You mm. know what I mean? He's like making me make sure that all the deals make sense, right? right. And um, I thought that was really cool because that made me very savvy in this world and understanding where my value is and how to create more value and how to you know, hold um, a relationship with a business partner where someone's paying me, but we also are friends and have a relationship. Like yeah. how to like manage that. Like college, I think, and high school definitely doesn't teach you any of that. I don't know about college because I didn't do the full curriculum or the full thing about it teaching you that. But man, like money was on the line, things were on the line. You know, I'm it's not opportunity cost. I'm not even thinking about my wakeboarding tricks at the time. I'm just thinking about like what's a good business deal. Yeah. Right. Well, it's cool. <clears throat> Even um, when I when I decided to drop out, I didn't even make it that far. I only did one semester, so it's, it's funny. Even my girlfriend's like, "Kobe, you're not even a dropout. Like, don't yeah, call yeah. yourself a dropout. You didn't go long enough." Um, dude, oh, was, you didn't do college. I, you did I one did semester. One semester. Um, you're a dropout. Thank you. That's, that's what I say. I appreciate dropouts. They, they want to call it. They want to say you can't call yourself a dropout. I'm like, but that's got to no, be a chapter in the book. You're a uh, dropout for sure. Well, I tell everyone it's uh, for me. What else would you be if you don't right. go to college? What are you? You never went to college, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess you didn't drop out, but you're just no. Like a, I take drop out. out. I take drop you're out, out, dude. You're I drop out. I, it, that was long enough. Um, I should. I paid for the classes. I went to college, right? Drop out. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was in geology, and I'll never forget just like having like meetings and podcasts and like trying to push the envelope in the business and being like, the fuck do I need to know about rocks for for the rest right. of my life? Like, I don't need to know about rocks for anything. Uh, so I was fed up. I just, I dropped out. But one thing that you really kind of brought up right there, talking about, okay, so not only are you wakeboarding. Wait, wait, I want to, I want to talk about college for a second because I don't want to discourage people from going to college. Let's hear it. Because I do, I do believe in college. I think that some people have a path that doesn't need college and they are able to do it without college. I think some people have a path that college is what creates their path for them. And, mm. I think, and I think college is a great thing. Like my little brother went to college and crushed it. And now he has an incredible job, went that route, but he would never have got that route without college. Right. So I'm not saying don't go to college, drop outing, drop outing. <laughs> it's a verb now. <laughs> drop outing is uh, the best thing to do. Um, but... I'm just saying, like, for some people, 
college isn't the way and it might put you in debt. And if you're able to create a path outside of that, do it and make your money. But if you feel like you need that extra four years or you have, you want to be a doctor or whatever it is, dude, college is amazing for that. Right. That's, it's the same thing I've always talked about. Like when I'm speaking at schools is it's right for some people, hundred percent. It's great. And, And even if you don't know what you want to do, I say this all the time of like, Again, if you're in a situation where your parents, they might want you to go to college, you don't know if you want to go, um, but you don't know what else you would do, go to college. Go to college. Take the Figure time to learn to adult and live on your own while in that environment where there's a bunch of other kids that are just kind of going through that same process. So like, although they're living on their own, it's new steps, everyone's just kind of vibing. You know, like it's very low pressure, I feel like. Like, I think when people talk about college and like, high pressure, high stakes at college. I'm like, it, it, for some degrees, don't get me wrong, extremely challenging. But for some, it's like, dude, just, you're in college right now. Like, go to class, learn, study, pass tests. You're going you're gonna to get by, right? Yeah. Um, but, but college tests and, like, college pressure is real. Yeah. And, like, same with high school. Like, some of the most, like, pressure I've ever felt in my life is, like, studying for a test. And I'm just like, this is terrible. Like, I, because it's it's almost like one of those things where it's like, I hate everything I'm doing right now. But if I don't do it, like, it's like I'm gonna get shunned. Yeah, it's I, terrible. I think it's tough for me because I was never a huge school guy, right? Yeah, like I, I've told people before, like I've known people that are like, well, like you know, my mom is always like, what are you doing? Whatever. My mom would be like, Kobe, did you do your homework? Yeah. I didn't do my yeah, homework. Yeah, yeah, And she wouldn't, like, want to check it or anything, whatever. And, um, you know, I just think that, like, like for my sister, even, who's about to graduate high school next year, so she'll graduate 2024, like, she's kind of figuring out. And I'm like, look, just know that by going to college, you're, you're essentially, you're in this, like, incubator for a bit of time, especially if you live on, live on campus. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's what your situation was at the no. time, just while the travel and whatnot, but... I lived at a professional, like, Burr's house. And yeah, we were, see, that we were living sense. the dream. Um but it's like it's a it's a good chance to slowly move into to your next chapter, especially when you don't really know what you want to do. Like I, I just don't think that you know unless you're prepared to go balls to the wall and take on that extra stress oh, yeah. and yeah. diligence, like then then just take the time to go to college. Like like if I could go back and do anything a little bit different, it's like I, I wish I would have had just a little bit more patience in the process of like coming out of high school and being like okay. Um, I'm going to learn right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to enjoy it and just kind of like go through the process. And I think college is the best place to do that. Like you don't yeah. get that same, that same experience just being at home or like kind of going through that. Um, so right there, you said it. You're living the dream. All right. So you're, you're managing deals. You're at college. You're living at this pro wakeboarders house. Um, being in the surfing industry, surfing background, the philosophy is shred hard, party harder right and you're a young guy you know i don't know at that time you might have been 20 21 at most you're traveling alone early on um all these things like you really just have kind of life in the palm of your hand um tell me about navigating that while also like running your business as steel lafferty uh it was hand in hand i was just learning the world uh wakeboarding at a top level Learning how to party <laughs> with all my friends and 
just being self-sufficient, man. Like, you're either going to not make it because you want to party too much, or you're going to be able to handle it. Mm. Or you're going to be able to party as much as you want and handle it, and those are the unicorns. Man, you see some people just absolutely get after it, and the next day, you're just like, how are you not dead? Mm. Right? So, I mean, you got to just understand who you are and how to do it and how to get through it. Um, man, luckily, I was, I was raised in a, in a family that um, taught me my morals, taught me where I stand, and I kind of found myself before. But, you know, I wanted to learn the world and figure it out. And, um, yeah, man, I, I did my fair share of, you know, partying, figuring out, hey, this, you can go to this level, but it's going to hurt you in this level. Yeah. So I, um, I had a very, very good balance of, like, you know, how to stay very top level at my sport and also have fun. So we're, we're going to kind of move things along here. Uh, I mean, we could do this all night. We're eventually probably going to have to squeeze in like a part two at some point. Um, so I want to fast forward, right? Like, so now you've been on the scene for, for years. Like, I want to, we'll, we'll move up to, you know, let's call it like, you know, kind of like maybe even just the last like five years and then um, social media takes over the game. And I think mm-hmm. that's maybe where we should start. Like clearly we, we talked a lot about your, your wakeboard accomplishments already. Like yeah. being it with, you know, you, did you ever want, I know you won a national title. Is there a higher rank than national title in the wakeboard world space? Champ. I've never, I've never world champ. Wait, you remember when I, I was like, I was really competitive when I won everything. And then I went the whole like landing new tricks route. Hmm. And so like, I, I, I pushed competition hard but it was never my goal was to win everything. It was more so what could I do that has never been done before. Mm. So, so I didn't, I was definitely a competitive wakeboarder, but I never won a world championship. I was like, I won some, I won a tour. I won, uh, uh, the X games Throwdown. With Mashcraft, that's where I did like two tricks that never been done before in a contest. Like, I didn't win a crazy amount of things. It was more so of what I was able to do on a wakeboard. Yeah, and that's where I thrived. Well, just like you said, I mean, it's stamping your name in the history books for sure. Like yeah. when you when you do it that way, um, I mean, it's like uh, like Julius Irving with the skyhook. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, the, like a trademark. They're like, I don't even know if that guy won a championship. I'm, I think who he cares? Might, but doesn't matter, right? That's not what you who think cares? of. Um, but right. you know, when we're moving through this now, like you've seen so many different scenes, right? Coming on the scene at 10, 13 years old, growing through sport, boat sponsors by sixteen, living the good life, going to college, winning these events, and I'm, you know, this is probably just how it went for for another like six, seven years up until you're like, you know, continuing through your career, even pushing thirty. Um, tell me more about really when you started to progress in social media. Like, I feel like it was kind of, correct me if I'm wrong, but like uh, kind of around COVID maybe when everyone was like kind of at home. I feel like that's when I saw like some of your most viral Mm. stuff come out. So tell us a little bit more about your journey in social media and really how that's either, how that's kind of helped you leverage within what you do now, like in the wakeboard space. Um, but also like 
really just what's done for your brand and like mm. your opportunities with outside of wakeboarding and in it. So, um, social media, like, you know, I was in, I was a professional in a sport before social media and I got to see that life, which is uh, amazing. There's so much more culture in action sports before social media. Mm. Um, because you had to be there to be there. You know what I mean? Like now you can be there on your phone sitting here on a couch. Um, so there's that like, I don't know. I, I love social media and I hate social media mm. because it did kill a lot of culture in a lot of industries because you don't have to be there anymore. And you don't have to be the, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a touchy subject for me because I'm really good at social media. And um, I know how to create incredible fun content to share with a ton of people where they don't have to come out because they're not able to be there or they can't get there or fly there or whatever. Like, they can watch it on their phone and feel like they're there. Mm. So there is that side of it, too, that I love. Um, so in 2017, 2018, I started seeing this, like, it wasn't a decline in wakeboarding competitions, but it was just kind of stagnant. And I was like, I've won a lot of things I wanted to win, done a lot of tricks I wanted to do. Like, what's next? Because I didn't see the sport ripping up. Like, I saw a lot of sports doing. Pickleball. And, yeah, like pickleball. And, uh... And I was just, and you know, being business minded in that, I kind of just saw a different path. And I said, I'm gonna push social media really hard because there's data, there's analytics. You can sell that back to you, to like the people that are sponsoring mm -hmm. you. You just be like, hey, I'm gaining, I'm on my page alone, getting you 50 million views on your product. Like there's value there, mm -hmm. right? So I, um, I pushed social hard. And at the time, a lot of the other athletes, not like the, my friends or, or some of like the OGs that were good, but just like other people in the industry that didn't understand what I was doing and made fun of it. Or not like made fun of it, but was just like, I don't know if there, it was like a bitter or just like a, what is he doing? Or like so stupid or whatever it is. There's, a, there's definitely a little bit of that for like a year or two and then they saw it and they're like, oh, catch up. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? And um, now there's, now everyone's on social media pushing content, pushing analytics and data and creating, you know, a, a vibe on, you know, content. Mm. So like I decided that I wanted to create um, a page where people would watch what I do and want to wakeboard. So it wasn't, it wasn't really about me being like, oh, I want to just like make more money. It was more where it was like, I just see an opportunity to get more people into the sport. Bring attention to it. Yeah. And if I can get a million people to see a video of me doing something fun behind the boat, how good would that be for the sport? Yeah. You know what I mean? 
And like, I thought that was cool. So I started doing that and it just started building and building and building and building. I mean, I would say it's fair to probably estimate that you've probably gotten, if you consider how many times your things are reposted, like I would, I would go as far as like, you've probably gotten a billion views. Yeah, for I think, sure. I think I saw something online where it was like around 3 billion views really? of, of content that I've created. <laughs> That's insane. Like, yeah. Which is wild to think of. Because when you like say that number, that's like like I think like Mr. Beast or whatever, they have twenty seven billion views or whatever it is on content. And their stuff is viewed insane amounts of times. I, I don't I gotta relock it up. But like um I was talking to this, you know, marketing manager guy and he I was doing all the research and he's like, Yeah, your content has three billion views of mm. all the content you've produced that has been repurposed and reshared and whatever which i think which is wild on that note so are you completely like self-operated on the social media side of things like is any have you ever sat down with someone to be like hey man i want to take my content game up a notch like what would fully self-operated yeah. really i've talked to um some people and been like hey like how do i grow here like why Casually. is this why is this stagnant or whatever yeah and they've helped me like break through like the algorithm, whatever is big. Oh, you need to post more reels or yep. you need to do this or you need to do that. You know what I mean? Like, and they've helped me there, but it's, it's, I am the one responding to every DM, responding to every comment, posting everything, coming up with every, every creative idea. Like I'm curating that on my own and making sure it gets mm -hmm. out there. Yeah. It's a lot of, it's a lot of work and it's, and I post it like imagine your work being put on blast every time you like finish an email or finish whatever it is it gets posted to everyone yeah that follows you and then they get a critique it or whatever it is like or like they get to see it or they're like always oh, trying so hard like there's a lot of that like, yeah it's crazy you go you, you gotta like find that yeah Mine. i mean i thought it was cool like i've counted because i mean i don't get like crazy reposts and stuff so i've counted up before and i like i was stoked to see i think i've gotten like about two and a half million views now like between the grit stuff and my personal stuff um but i'll never forget the first time i made a couple tiktoks they like one of them did decent maybe like 10 15k and there were a bunch of people in the comments just like making fun of me and i remember being yeah. in the car with my brother and i was like dude these people, yeah, I was like, they're just making fun of me. And he was like, well, like, is it bothering? I'm like, they're pumping the algorithm. <laughs> like, yeah, I couldn't care less yeah, what yeah. they comment. And he was like, dude, honestly, I'm just glad you feel that way because this is when most people would be like, all right, I'm not doing this social media thing. Right. So I'm yeah. sure, like, I mean, and I would imagine, too, you're at a way broader scale. They're like, it could definitely be hard sometimes. But I, whenever I, like, get something negative like that, I mean, sure, I know that it's kind of, like, doing me well. But at the same time, it's like they don't understand. You know, like most people don't when you're putting yourself out there like that. It's not the one off comment that I get frustrated with. Like if like someone like just some random person was just like said something, that it doesn't even face me. I'm just like, okay. Like you like you don't get it, don't know you, we'll never meet you. Doesn't matter. Thanks for pumping the algorithm. But it's when it's like someone that like you know or like someone that's in the industry or someone that's like whatever that's like constantly giving you shit and you're just like what what mm. what do you like i don't even know you that well like why are you coming at me like this type yeah. of thing like you don't like you don't get it like or like they're like 
think they have a say in something. Like, that's when you get frustrated. Um, and that's when I get frustrated. Yeah. But really, the people that really matter in the sport all are super supportive of what I do. So that's, like, that's all that matters. It's just, like, some people that are bitter, and that's okay. <clears throat> One of the best quotes I saw not too long ago said, um, if you have a problem with me, call me. If you don't have my number, you don't know me well enough to have a problem. Right. Like, that was just stuck. Because so many, I mean, especially at a younger age, and, like, you're, you're, you're older now, but I'm sure you remember, like, it's, it's definitely hard when you're, when you're coming up to, you know, of just opinions of others. And it's very different now on social media and stuff. Um, Everyone has an opinion now. Yeah, you got, to, and I think it's even worse that it's great for everyone to have an opinion, but not everyone needs to think their opinion matters like that much. You know, it's like, totally. dude, we don't need to all get into this. Well, uh, they have an opinion on you of what they see in the surface level. Right. Right. And then they might have got ticked off in a way where you didn't even mean it one way, but they just saw it some way different. Yeah. It, it's, dude, it's everything. Social media is surface. And, and you can get a little deeper if you really, like, truly are a fan of someone or, like, appreciate someone's work. Totally. But like if you're like a hater on someone, I think it takes so much more effort to hate someone than to like someone. Mm. It's like, what are you yeah. doing? No, I totally agree. And uh, I've just got two more questions for you gotcha. and then we're going to wrap things up. And we might, we're going to have to make another one of these happen to Like I could go full Joe Rogan right now for three hours. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You've got I don't so know many... how long these ones go. We're... I thought we were Joe Rogan in it. <clears throat> no, I mean, I, I 100% would. Camera's on 11 right now, which sucks. Okay, okay, okay. Um, we'll rip through. Because I, I really would love to. But yeah, and we're on a little trial run. So pre appreciate you being easy on me because yeah, uh, yeah, we're just messing with it. But um. We were kind of talking, you know, you, so this house we're at, we're at your house recording this episode and like you've, you've had this house for a number of years now, um, yeah. almost a decade. Uh, but, you know, board sports, you've, you've, you've grown your brand, I would imagine, like being someone who's familiar with social media space. Like you do well for yourself, but for, I think really for someone who's in a similar position to you or someone that's like starting to make money at a young age, like clearly you've been very smart with it. Like you're into investing in real estate. If you give one piece of advice to young people that are, whether they're making decent money, great money, bad money, what do you think everyone should try to do more of or should pay attention to to try to better set themselves up financially? Mm. Um, get what you're good at. Figure out how to make money on it, whatever it is. Um, you can make money almost doing anything nowadays. Um, and once you start doing that, be smart with your money. Invest into things that are going to make you money long term. And um, diversify. Hmm. That's the biggest thing. Is you just don't put everything into one bas basket. Like, get stock, get some real estate, get some crypto, get er everything that you can like, kind of like that you believe in that is able to get your returns. That's not just like watches, watches. If you know what you're doing, yeah, right. There, there's a, there's ways to make money and everything, but um, you know the market is crazy. So like even right now with the economy, like no one knows what the economy is going to do. Let's hold, all the stocks could just fall out from under. But if you have some real estate, you have some assets, you'll be okay. There's a lot of like making sure that you're diversified in different places to make sure that you're set for the long run 
because as, as myself, I'm only going to make money. I started making money young when I was 13, 14. But, you know, my lifespan of making money uh, with wakeboarding is only until you're like 35, 36 competitively. But I stopped competing a long time ago and have learned that, um, well, really not a long time ago. And I still compete a little bit. But, um, but I've learned that you can make money um, how you want to do it. Mm. So um, find value create value, provide value, make money, diversify. And that's the way to do it. For in my eyes. Quick follow up to that one. Cause the big conversation right now is like invest in yourself, expand earning potential, or like, you know, you have your long term investments. You yeah. start making money at a young age. Uh, your parents are savvy, right? Like I would assume they're totally. like really helping you out through that process. G- growing up, um, was there a time you started investing for the long term compared to investing in yourself to build your career? Like, was mm. there kind of a split where it was like, you know, from, from 15 to like 20, I was just putting everything back into the brand and growing and my wakeboarding. And at 21, you know, I, I like started to want to expand a long-term investment portfolio. Were you more just trying to build yourself up for those earlier years? That's a really good question. Um, I bought my house in 2009. Oh, no. 2014, and I've owned it for nine years. Um, and that was an investment that I didn't know was an investment at the time. It's more like I just wanted to own a house at, like tw- at 21 or whatever. Um, and but, but <laughs> I made a good decision. Um, but knowing like when to like take money out of investing in yourself is when you know you've made it. When you know that you can continue to make money without having to like worry about, you know, paycheck to paycheck, how to provide for yourself, that's when you can start diversifying. And that'll come and it takes time. You know, it took me a lot, a long time wakeboarding to make enough to buy a house and then to be able to afford the house and know that I could, you know, not lose it for a long time. And then, you know, build a portfolio after that. Yeah. <sighs> well, despite all the problems, all the uh, this, that, and the other with the cameras, dude, I mean, this has been super cool. And what I'm really stoked about is like, I feel like we did spend a lot of time to like talking about what you went through, like through the early stages of your career. And as you know, yeah. like, we run a summer camp and, you know, we've had a lot of, a lot of like business professionals where we get real deep into like a lot of professional stuff. And I think this has been awesome today to talk about your journey, like through those early stages, through college and well, you're 32, 31, 31 now. Yeah. So like, I mean, there's still so much more to tell about mm-hmm. the story. We're gonna have to come back in like another five years. Yeah. Um, but again, just really appreciate you coming on today, man. Like the, the history, I think of this one's really cool to me. Like I've always appreciated, obviously my mom means the world to me and um, haven't had a chance to really meet your mom formally since way back in the day yeah, yeah, right. um, but really appreciate you making this happen like I said that, that we always ask our guests one final question on the show uh, so it is what part of the great creed resonates most with you and why um, the one that really stuck out to me but I don't know why it did it was I'll never ask someone to do something I'm not willing to do mm-hmm. I think that was because like for me like I'm always willing to go the extra mile 
and like provide for someone or help in some way or do something that it was more, it was less about me. It was less about what I'm asking and more about what I'm willing to do. And um, that I will always see someone that I want to push to be the best that they can be. Right. And if I know that I was able to go through it and do it, I know. And if I see someone in you, I like to see other people succeed. And if I can help anyone in any other way, I want to push them to be the best that they can be in what they're doing. And I love seeing that almost more than I love seeing myself succeed. Um, I don't know what it, what that is, but I, I love that. And um, so, yeah, I would, I would never push someone harder than I know that I could be pushed. Mm. So, but I could be pushed really freaking hard when I was young. Yeah. So sometimes I'm aggressive, but it's because I want the best for whoever I'm pushing. I love that too. To, to see other people win when you know you played your part is, is a super special feeling. And yeah. like you said, I think it, like you clearly set an example in the water. And like, I think everyone should feel that. Like the last line is I will, of the great creed is I will lead by example because my purpose is larger than me. And that's what I've always said is my favorite, just because it's like, it kind of goes hand in hand with that one. It's like, mm-hmm. I'll never ask someone to do something I'm not willing to do. Um, and I will lead by example. It's like almost that one could come first, yeah, yeah. you know? That's and, true. Um, that's just so powerful, right? And like you said, yeah. when you have that, that's what I always say grit is, is it's that high tolerance for misery. So yeah. when you have that and you embrace But for a it, purpose. High right. tolerance for misery for a purpose. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Technically, by definition, the grit is... Uh, Passion, perseverance, and pursuit of long-term goals. Right, so, so exactly. It in that goals right, 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 right. I've always said that, like misery, such a powerful word, right? Yeah, like, yeah. You got high tolerance for misery, um, but nonetheless, still, I appreciate you coming on the show today, man. Uh, hopefully, the audio is still working all right. <laughs> um, we're gonna have to make something happen here again soon. Um, and get some, get on the water one day. It's a quick little drive down here, but um, it's been a lot of fun being able to do this tonight. So yeah, dude, of course, I appreciate you coming down. Yeah, bro, for sure. So that's a wrap for us here at the Grit.org podcast. Follow Steel. I'm pretty sure it's just Steel Lafferty on all platforms. You can also go to steellafferty.com. Keep up with him. Support him in all he does. We really appreciate him coming out. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone you think it would resonate with or impact. As always, we appreciate you tuning in for another episode of the Grit.org podcast.